0: everybody. Welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today to talk to a couple of investors and folks at a different firm called Distributed Global. Guys, could you please introduce yourselves?
1: Sure. Uh, hi, hi, Eric. Uh, my name's John Cheeseman. I am the Chief uh, Market Strategist at Distributed Global. And uh, I'm Hervé Bezira, I'm the CTO of uh, Distributed Global.
0: Cool. And, and Jonathan, uh, you spend... You uh, nearly a decade before Distributed Global at places like Goldman Sachs uh, and others focused on, uh, it was uh, FX and, uh, and macro sales. Can you talk a little bit about your work prior to Distributed Global and how that work has sort of informed the, the, the work uh, you do at, at DG, you know, uh, applying uh, a traditional finance lens to a crypto lens?
1: Sure, yeah, no, I, I joined uh, Barclay's Capital um, in, in in 2005, and then in 2010 I joined um, Goldman Sachs in in London, and in 2015 I moved over to New York. I spent the you know most of those twelve years um, working in, in the foreign exchange business. Um, but foreign exchange is a, is a heavily macro asset class. And you know, it has a lot of interplay with interest rate markets, commodities markets, and over that period of time, I was very privileged to work with you know with some of the you know the the, the greatest uh, in, in, you know investors of, um, of 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 our time, um, and you know it was a really uh, it was a really fascinating time for me, um, and it taught me a lot about investing in in, in valuations in flows and you know much of that has you know has given me a perspective for crypto but um you know make no mistake um crypto is very much uh uh, you know it's its own animal and uh and and a wild animal (laughs) uh you know as uh, uh, you know in, in that sense as well uh say more about the what are the similarities
0: and and what are what are the things that do apply and what are the things that just don't apply And what has surprised you uh, about, you know, as you sort of discovered the
1: differences and similarities there? Sure. Well, I always, you know, many of the smartest investors that I, um, you know, had the privilege of working with were also some of some of the most humble and, you know, the the most experienced um, and technical and, uh, you know, fundamentally well-versed investors um, tend to have a very, uh, you know, an attitude towards using price as an indicator. And, you know, the I, the idea being there is that whatever wisdom and analysis you have within your brain, you, you have to be, um, you know, you have to be aware and somewhat uh, cognizant and, and maybe even frightened of the collective wisdom that is reflected in price. So, you know, many of these investors or you know traders would the first thing that they would do every day was they would look at their charts and they'd look at technical analysis and this wouldn't be um you know all that they all of the inputs in their decision making but it but it would serve to be a large part of that and now this is in in crypto firstly that you know, we'll get probably get into more depth of this later. But there's really no um, that there, there, there's no uh, there's no widely accepted valuation uh, metric. So you're definitely um, you know you're definitely it. It serves well to spend more time looking at price analytics um, as as an indicator, and you know. One of the, the themes that, one of the things that is unique about crypto is the asset class tendency towards reflexivity. Um, this was a concept um, you know, coined by george Soros that, um, that that price in itself becomes a fundamental driver because it 's a, a self reinforcing loop that investors uh, be, become influenced by, and that kind of momentum. Um, investing is very applicable to crypto because, firstly, most Im- almost all investors are retail, um, and they're very inexperienced investors. So, you know, you're you'll often, you know, hear hear a, a critique of investment sort of narratives that you know that, that the narrative is is backfitting to the price, and you know, you could say, uh, you know, an asset's gone up and People will look for reasons to, 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 you know, to fit around that, and there's a lot of, um, you know, the, the market can be vulnerable to, you know, to biases, and, and and the main bias that people have is is one, you know, is a confirmation bias where you know you 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 look for information that supports your thesis, and you're dismissive. Of information that that is, that is negative of your of your of your, or it doesn't support your thesis, and you know one of the things about so when I was working with macro investors, one of the the beauties of macro investing is the ability to. You know, decide what the most important trends are in the market, and then you can decide. You can then decide which asset class you'd want to, um, you know, you 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 you'd want to that best fits that. So, you know, just just take for example, if you were an investor and you decided that you were, um, you know, you wanted to be bullish on oil, um, you could either, um, you know, you could buy oil itself The the you know the just just the underlying commodity you could buy equities that are that are um, supported by you know by a rise in in oil prices or you could buy currencies that tend to do well on a flow of funds basis because um are they're either equity they're either um, oil producers or oil consumers so that really gives you a lot of flexibility and one of the things, you know, one of the great strengths that you would look for in a macro investor is the, um, is you know, is, is is someone that that that, that doesn't get attached, um, you know, dogmatically to a to a trade, um, and you know, is they're they're very flexible and 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 self-critical about their investments that they make, and crypto is like the other end of the spe- spectrum. You have a kind of you know, a cult-like following, um, you know, in a real, uh, many kind of libertarians that, that, that believe in the societal benefits of privacy and decentralization really above all else. And it's quite funny, really, to take a step back sometimes. And, you know, crypto communications will happen over Twitter and Telegram rooms and things like that. And, you know in certain company it really is a taboo to really question the uh you know the the the, the value the potential use cases or the motivations of people involved and, and leverage to crypto so that that's certainly you know that, that lack of flexibility is is certainly something to be kind of mindful about um, with, with within crypto. And of course, you know, in in a in a, in a bull market, you know, that's uh, that's great because you know <laughs> you've got you've got people who are you know r- real real believers.
0: Yeah, that, that's a nice segue into your um, you wrote this piece with Chris Bernitsky, uh on flow and, and reflexivity. Can you, for the for the audience who's unfamiliar with with, with some of these finance terms, can you define or get deeper into you know what exactly flows are, why they matter, um, and then maybe talk a little bit about what you were trying to achieve in this piece from what we you know what we haven't discussed so far in this episode.
1: Sure. So I guess um, you know that that the, the easy asset prices are are moved by by flows. Um, you know. At any given point in, pri- in time, a liquid asset will have a price at which you can sell and a price at which you can buy. Um, if a new investor comes into the market and you know and, and buys an asset, the next price will be marginally higher. So you know, new entrants into the space um, are the easiest way to to drive prices. And you know, one of the things that really fascinated me about crypto as an investment opportunity um and let's just take bitcoin now because it's it's generally easy to 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 speak in those terms is you know i would i would think about equities and interest rates and fx which the markets are you know trillion dollar turnover markets very very deeply liquid and it would take you know uh the effects of flows on price um, are obviously heightened in, in in smaller, less liquid markets. Um, and when I first looked at Bitcoin, I just thought to myself, you know, just from a trading perspective, that this market has, you know, a potential for for mania unlike any other. And you know, the, there are a couple of things driving that. Firstly, is you know, the fact that it's really that it, it's the first and only investment that's really open to anyone, you know, anyone in the, in the world, provided you have, oh, you know, an internet, an internet connection really, and, and, you know, and, and a fear on ramp, you can, you can buy, you can buy Bitcoin. And I remember reading an article that was interesting that, you know, of course the, the amount of foot, you know, fully diluted market cap or number of Bitcoins there will ever be is is 21 million. And if you take um, the number of millionaires in the world to be, I, I believe it's about um, 60 million. So that would mean that just if every, you know, if every millionaire in the world decided to allocate, um, I don't know, 1% of their capital, which would be, be, you know, be one 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 Bitcoin, or sorry, 10, 10 basis points of their capital, which would be one Bitcoin, um, they would you know, there wouldn't be one for every, for every millionaire. It would actually be, be 0.3. So, and, and of course, that doesn't take into account, uh, you know, Bitcoin that's not for sale. For example, some has been lost, um, you know, Satoshi Apparently holds holds a million, or I, I heard someone else saying it's actually seven. I think BitMEX published some research saying it's actually just seven hundred kions, but you know whatever it is that, that that's not for sale. You know, distributed global. You know, we we have it's 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 our largest holding, and there's not really a foreseeable situation in which we would sell. Um, so actually, I I, I remember um, Jameson Lopp, who's done a lot of work on 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 Bitcoin wallets. Um, he estimated that the the float was um was just two million bitcoins, so you know what that what the float means is if you went into the market today and you were willing to pay any you know real price um that you could only buy two million bitcoin so you know so it 's just you know, when when you have an illiquid asset class, flows are much more important. And so in, in you know, the piece that when, when we, we wrote about reflexivity, you know, we felt that within crypto, reflexivity is driven by uncertainty and confusion around the, the early stage technology, um, virality of communication mechanisms, lack of standardized valuation frameworks, regulatory paranoia, and um, majority retail inexperienced participations. And, you know, all of these characteristics um, are amplified by the illiquid nature of, of crypto as an, as an emerging asset class. And I remember in, um, I was, so, so we wrote this article because we, um, we posited that there was a very large tax flow. In, in you know in the first quarter of, of 2018, and that's obviously just you know there was there was a very large um, taxable gain from from crypto in 2017, and we posited that a normal investor would likely liquidate some of their crypto in order to to meet the the, the tax payable. So you know we felt we had a window in which you could estimate what. Um, you know, what the fiat multiplier is in, um, you know, is in crypto. And and what a multiplier is, is, you know, $1 invested in a market doesn't necessarily mean the market cap grows by $1. And that may kind of be slightly counterintuitive, but, you know, clearly, uh, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a kind of manic period of time, people if if the price is going up, people are much less likely to sell. So it's somewhat self-reinforcing. And I remember reading something that, that Citibank wrote that they actually estimated that in um you know in the in in crypto markets in November and December 2017 that the fiat multiplier was as high as 50 times. So you know for every one dollar invested in crypto, the total market cap moved by 50 times. And now, you know, this is, this is one of the, the problems about an illiquid asset class is that valuations can become extraordinarily stretched and therefore somewhat vulnerable to a correction because the market is just, you know, really just becomes one way. And, you know, many would look back at the introduction of Bitcoin futures And the subsequent price drop really almost as soon as they were introduced in December as evidence that crypto was to some degree, you know, a kind of wild one way market where things, you know, where just flows had had blown, blown sort of reality, real valuations out of proportion. You know, really at distributed global, um, you know. We, we, we are very acutely aware that this is a, a technology investment, um, but also that, you know, you have to appreciate market forces as well. So, you know, Herve and I kind of come at, come at the problem from, from different angles and hopefully, you know, our, our approaches are, are, are complementary. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, so my background is, you know, software engineering. Um, uh, I've been writing software for the last 15 years, um, before distributed global, uh, I was a technical director at DreamWorks uh, for seven years, um, and then I was uh, uh, head of engineering for Verizon's uh, immersive technology group. Um, and uh, I think, you know, John and I really approach it from different lenses, but I think at the end of the day, we try to come to the same conclusion. Um, so if, if we see something that makes sense in the market, we try and, and still kick the tires on the technology itself to make sure it works really well. Um, and we approach it in, in many different ways. Um, we'll, we'll look at the code quality on GitHub. Uh, we'll look at aspects of code reuse uh, to see if it's really something novel or if this is just a clone of an existing project that um, has really good marketing around it. Um, and um, I can go deeper into, into all of our entire process, but I just wanted to just talk about it at a high level, uh, how we approach it. Yes,
1: yeah, so, so I guess the next thing that will be interesting for, for 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 listeners i hope is you know if we just if we talk about our our investment approach and i guess the easiest ways to separate that is you know i look at it from a macro top down lens and um herve looks at it from a, with with a more micro lens so if i if i go into the kind of the the, the macro side and then herve can cover the micro side i think that'd be cool so um yeah so you know we try to be very realistic about the potential for this technology, but also the current status. You know, this is distributed ledger technology is an incredible innovation, but this is ex- extremely early stage. This may be the first iteration. And, you know, really outside of, of, of Bitcoin, um, we can see a scenario in which absolutely every other crypto asset is is worthless in in five years, and you know this uh, that that fundamental framework has served us pretty well this year because you know because we ha- hold that view, we have always held a relatively high cash balance because you know we need the we we want the uh, the, the runway. Um, of a couple of years, really, to continue to invest in new technology, um, and we really see the investments on like two different, um, you know, axes. There's one axis, which is the um, which which is the technology, which Hervey looks at. The other axis is the ability, the, the strength of the network and the potential of the network, um, because you know we would believe that while some of the technology right now isn't sufficient for really big the, the the potential use cases um, available we think it's just as likely that a new entrant wins as there are sec- there are layer two solutions. Um, To existing technology, and what's really powerful there is the network that underlies, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And you know, many people would one of the valuation metrics that many people would would look look at is, you know, is 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 Metcalfe's law of 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 network. But you know, what what we believe, like fundamentally, is being created is early stage decentralized and immutable stores of value, trustless peer to peer mediums for exchange. Flexible smart contracts, a web stack, and decentralized um, applications. We think all of these innovations are extremely valuable. And you know, as more and more uh, percent, you know, a higher share of global GDP is performed digitally, um, you know, we, we believe this this market will, will grow in value. And we also, one, one of the great things that, that's interesting about crypto is, you know, this isn't just technology. It, it's, it, this is a real generational shift around the concept of ownership, um, globalization the nation state and, you know, an evolution away from the the need to have transactions and interactions verified by by centralized third parties so you know the the things we are talking about building are are so fundamentally and structurally change such a fundamental and structural change in society that you have to say the probability of success or you know of of these these objectives or these this potential being met in the near term is very small and i think you know, when people think about valuation, they think about market opportunity, but they, people got very, very, other investors were very carried away with what the likelihood and the likely timeline was for for these asset classes to really, to really develop. Um, and you know, we really, while it's interesting to talk about valuation, and you know, it's interesting to look at. Uh, you know equations like you know mv equals pq but they're so they're so theoretical and velocity is you know impossible to measure really difficult to measure in developed markets that you know you're you're really saying there's a new uh, there's a new system of money but it doesn't exist yet and we're still going to try and measure velocity so it just doesn't make sense and the the level of assumption if you ever try to kind of back out a real a real number valuation um, you know it, it it just it just it just doesn't really work and so you know we think about investing both in kind of low probability huge use cases you know replacements for m1 stable coins but we also try and invest in projects where the you know the, the market opportunity may seem smaller, but the probability of success is much higher. And I think you know one of one of the problems in crypto is about expectations. And many investors, um, or especially on the retail side, you know, I believe they thought when they were buying Ethereum that they were buying a decentralized. You know, global supercomputer, and the reality is we're very far away from that. And you know, the idea that we could have a decentralized, genuine decentralized competitor to something like Facebook is really quite you know farcical right now. You know, if Facebook would probably rely on, I mean, it's hard to estimate, but it could be as much as fifty million transactions a second. um, To you know, and and something like you know, I guess. EOS which is a more kind of uh, you know it has a higher throughput than something like bitcoin or ethereum i think the highest level of transactions it's had per second measured is is under 4000 so you know and and clearly it's different because you know a decentralized facebook would, would do something very different to a centralized facebook because at all periods of time everyone would would be able to confirm what was on the network but at the same you know you have to be realistic that technology is meant to be efficiency, say, you know, an efficiency driver. Um, and, and um, you know, we, we, a criticism of much of the current, you know, state of Ethereum apps is that they really just don't work very well. And no one, it doesn't make sense to use decentralized applications over centralized applications. So you have to be, you have to kind of, we look at things with quite a realistic lens um, and try and think about where there is real efficiency and value being created. And w- one of the other, you know, places we think the, the, the collective market has gone wrong is, you know, crypto, while has it has an incredibly disruptive potential, but it also is very, it, it is highly deflationary. And, you know, if you think, A decentralized exchange, for example, why you would move to a decentralized exchange, part of the reason would be cost and margin and and slippage on on your transactions. And now, you know, no matter how many millions of transactions could be happening on on these decentralized exchanges, the main beneficiary is going to be the end user um, because it's going to be that. The end user that's saving the money. And obviously, that's great news for the end user, but it's not great news necessarily for a, for a token holder. So, you know, you have to be very thoughtful around, um, you know, around where value accrues and to whom. And then so, Herve, sorry, and Herve can talk a little about the, the kind of more micro approach that, that we take to the individual use cases absolutely and to build on what
2: john was saying with regards to the end user um every single one of our investments we we try and think about what is this going to actually do for people where's the where's the value when people actually start using this protocol um so we try and 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 take the code that is available um, if it is available and run it and, and and even try and build prototype dapps on top of the unique qualities and properties of that investment um so you know, for example, when we had a position in Qtum, um, we we tried and test the actual staking ability of that of that protocol, and and built an optimized staking infrastructure around it. Um, this gave us really unique insight into the maturity of the project at the time, and um, and and the challenges we faced uh, basically made us divest our position um, out of out of Qtum. Um We really think that unless you're keeping the tires on these projects and actually trying to use them how an end user would use it you really don't have a, a good analysis beyond a speculative uh, nature or or just looking at what um the market is doing um so, so i you know i could talk about a little bit more some of the projects that we've done uh, and how we've analyzed them um
1: and i guess another you know <clears throat> way that we look about things in in macro is you know one of our Two of our best investments last year were um, Icon and Aeon, which were interoperability um, blockchains. Now, you know, it was it, they were great investments. You know, we, we invested a relatively small amount in percentage terms of capital, and it and it grew very large into very large in early January. And we were fairly quick to, 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 you know, to divest those positions because you you know you think it through, and it's you think well. You know, Bitcoin and Ethereum kind of, you know, are kind of starting to work as blockchains, but they're not really scalable. So, the idea that we might have a ready-built interoperability solution between these blockchains is is really kind of laughable, to be honest. So, I think you know, you always have to take a step back and ask the very, very basic questions of, about these 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 protocols.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: I mean, how was your,
0: uh, before getting into the micro projects, how, is, how have your views about, you know, we talked a lot about value creation, but how have your views about value accrual and value capture uh, evolved o- over time and, and where are they right now?
1: So, you know, so we, we, we still subscribe to the kind of fat protocol thesis and this idea that, you know, we're still in the stage where, the, you know, the, the real foundational layers of the tokenized economy are, are, are being created now. Um, I think it's quite trendy at the moment to dismiss the FAT protocol thesis because of what's happening with Ethereum. But to me, actually, what's happening is, 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 you know, is an endorsement of the FAT protocol thesis. And all it's really telling you is actually it can work in both directions because, you know, just as if you create a protocol that tons of applications, you know, tons of successful applications use, that's going to accrue value to the to the underlying protocol. Well, guess what? If you, know, if you build a protocol and a ton of applications build on top of it and they all don't work, the, the underlying protocol is also, also going, to, going to suffer too. So it's not, I, th- I think people are very wrong. To dismiss the idea of the fat protocol thesis um, it's just that it can can move in you know can move in both in both directions um, and you know the other so, so how we think about value accrual is so, some you know Bitcoin maximalists or at least store of value maximalists would argue that only really the the, the protocols that have a very Close similarity to money will actually accrue value because the velocity will be so high in in all other layers, i.e., you know, you may, so, say, for example, Bitcoin ends up being the dominant store of value as as it looks at the moment. Um, When you would buy other crypto assets to perform, you know, a smart contract um, transaction, you would really only, uh, you know, you'd use the, the smart contract protocols token like a utility token, and as soon as you'd used it for what you needed to use, you'd immediately sell it back to Bitcoin. And, you know, it's, it's the velocity sinks within, within protocols that are really important to, to be mindful of. And while we definitely hear the criticisms that a lot of these tokens will have extremely high velocity, um, we do feel that like the, the, the network is, is an effective moat. And, you know, as, as, as utility builds for a number of these different protocols and, and even utility tokens, um, there will be some value accru- accrual to them. And actually, you know, inflation is, is, is inter- you know, interesting and something I've been thinking about a lot recently within, within crypto assets. Um, you know, it's, it, it can be very extremely rewarding. You know, many of the investments we've made on you know that are that are operating as proof of stake um, tokens, the, the the you know the yield on these assets can be as much as fifty percent a year, which is which <laughs> is of course extremely extremely attractive. Um, of course, you know this does raise other questions about you know how this supply is going to be met. Um, on future prices, but, you know, as a holder, uh, the, the, these, kind of, these kind of yields are attractive and it's, you know, we work quite closely with, um, th- th- there are a few businesses that have developed around staking um, and we work quite closely with those, um, you know, industry partners to understand which master masternodes are profitable and because we believe that that's going to be, uh, you know, a trend and, and flow in capital.
0: Well, at, the, at a high level, do you think um, algorithmic trading and, and quant funds within crypto make sense? How, how do you think about anything about that?
1: So, trading. So, algorithmic trading uh, typically is quite high frequency. Um, the issue, the main issue you face there is that in order to be able to trade quickly. You have to have you have to hold your assets um, at a point of liquidity or an or an exchange, um, and that if you're managing if it's your own money, um, I feel like that if that that's, could be a risk you can be comfortable with, but um, when you are dealing with inve- investors' money, um, it, 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 w- it would be quite uh, it would be quite a, a step in fiduciary responsibility to uh, start leaving you know, large amounts of capital on exchange um so so that's that that's one issue with with algorithmic trading um but you know it certainly does work and I, and i believe there are um some quite sophisticated short sellers um you know existing high frequency shops that that have pivoted into crypto and are definitely making a lot of money on the on on especially on on the short side and you know a lot of people have been quite critical of of for example, BitMEX, because every time you know when, when assets get listed on BitMEX, they tend to uh, they tend to fall quicker than than, than their peers. Um, but you know that that really it's just creating a two way market. So I think you know just as it makes the assets go down, it you know I think that is you know it's 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 a market. There are buyers and sellers, and um, I think I think that's you know it's kind of their game. But I don't. You know high frequency trading I think is is probably not a big threat to crypto right now uh, but what 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 is a big threat is you know all these exchanges um, you know it, because crypto is just at the moment the real only real use case for crypto is, is is as a speculative trading tool and you know you look at the unbelievable volumes that trade on bitmex for example all those uh, exchange fees are are taken in bitcoin and you know i think you can be damn sure that um you know they're they're, they're selling that crypto as as, as soon as, as soon as they can so and you know if you think that so if you take the, the big proof of work um assets i think they create about 30 million of new supply each day just just through mining and I would say over half of that is sold to just to meet costs. Um, and then, you know, to, you can make assumptions about what happens to the rest. With exchanges, I think, you know, between Binance and and, and BitMEX, um, they could easily be, it could easily be $10 million a day, but, you know, very easily. And that crypto could, you know, could be sold every single day. And I would say off the top of my head, I think that amounts to something like, three billion dollars a year so you know a very a very meaningful uh you know f- persistent supply flow in, in in the market and that is that is a structural problem with an inflationary asset that's principally used for trading
0: yeah i read this article recently called uh, move over crypto dubious Wall street will take it from here and talked about how, you know, uh, uncensored money was a, you know, it was a big narrative, distributed applications is a big narrative, but that the real killer app, according to this article is, is trading and that, uh, you know, wall street, but traditional players will, will crush, um, you know, new upstarts there. Uh, what's, what's your, what's your take there?
1: Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. I mean, it's, you know, of course, uh, of course professional capital has has been brought brought into the you know in into the market but you know the only really it, there's no way to have a market neutral strategy really in in and unless your strategy is to short sell it's very difficult to have a market neutral strategy um you you know you you really are favoring on the on the long side um so right here, right now, most of the Wall Street guys got in, got in, in the last uh, in the last year. So the uh, early adopters that have been in since 2013 and 2014, you know, like like like, like my firm are obviously uh, doing doing better so far. So I think, you know, I think I, I think it's it's a change for the market, and I you know I really welcome the you know the analytical rigor that some of the Wall Street um, types will undoubtedly bring to the you know bring bring to bring to the industry but um i don't know it's it it, we'll see how it how it plays out but one thing that is certain is that um a purely speculative asset isn't 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 going to survive crypto you know then there needs to be a real you you know real use cases need to need to be shown and developed and you know Bitcoin is the largest decentralized network in the world. Um, you could argue the, that its volatility means that it's not a great store of value, but I think you know its its infancy needs to be taken into into consideration, and as do the the scale of the access points to it. You know, as I said before, it's the first. Um, asset that anyone in the world can buy and of course that means anyone in the world can sell it once they've bought it too so the I don't think the volatility is a surprise and I think to look at it through you know the, the danger of Wall Street coming into the the type of decisions that they may make is they may be using an old world lens to to, to fit to fit the new world and that that may be that may be a mistake a mistake
0: yeah it's, it, you we're hearing a lot now. Um, especially, you know, when, um, you know, with all the headwinds and stuff is, you know, a lot of Bitcoin maximalists are coming out of there, uh, you know, coming out loud and proud. The question you know, I always have for, if you're, you know, running a a crypto fund and the only, you know, you have, or the only is that, you know, Bitcoin um, is is long Bitcoin. How are you as a fund going to outperform Bitcoin? Is it actively trading Bitcoin? Is it, if you feel that all, all venture investments are going to be, you know, fragment, or all the other currencies will just converge onto Bitcoin. Is there a role for crypto funds even in that world? And I know you guys think, you know, a much broader, uh, you know, set of winners will, will will emerge. But how do you think about that?
1: I mean, it's it's certainly, um, you know, it's it's certainly a, a, a fair criticism. talked to, you know, I mean, we're we're a long only funds, so for us to be long only one asset um, would be. Uh, you know would, would would be to some extent an, an, an existential uh problem but you know if if the bitcoin maximists are right and bitcoin goes to i don't know a hundred k i think our u s dollar based investors um, are, are going to be pretty happy um and you know so far um you know through the through the life of the fund um you know we, we we've significantly outperformed you know we've outperformed bitcoin by by multiples so you know it's we believe this is this is a moment in time where you know some very introspective questions are being asked of crypto and how the tokens are built or how the token economics are built um and in this period of time it makes a lot of sense to be defensive and you know our biggest investment at the moment is bitcoin and our second biggest investment at the moment is the U.S. dollar, so we're certainly in that in that defensive frame of mind. But you know, all the time we're very proactively looking for where the value is, and I think you know one of the, the points about market structure is many of the new funds or many of the crypto funds are focused on early stage invest, investments where. You know they're hoping to make venture style, ret- you know, returns over a period of time, and what that means is actually supply and demand for these uh, pre-products, um, you know, to value to pre-token pre-product offerings, you know, get into the the multi billions, and we've never made. You know, an investment. You know, in in, in a product with a valuation of over a billion dollars, um, with you know, with a white paper, and we think, quite frankly, that it's um, you know, pretty ludicrous to do so because if one of these, you know, if if a uh, you know, Definity Hashgraph, one of these ones, if they really work, um, you'll be able to see that they're working, and these will be multi, you know, these will be trillion-dollar opportunities. If you know if and when they work, and we would much rather um, have the you know watch it watch it launch, and you know watch the you know they can then test the code. We can see what's building on top of it, and that will be a much more you know responsible and um, you know an investment which which you can you can have more certainty about. For for example, if you think you know when you the, the Ethereum ICO happened. You know, it wasn't clear what the token economics were. It wasn't there. There there was a huge amount of uncertainty, and yes, you could have bought Ethereum. uh, I think I believe it was about thirty cents. Um, But you know, we actually believe that a better investment would have been, you know, at the end of two thousand and sixteen when the price was around you know around ten dollars. But you had significantly more. You had significantly more information. About how the network was being developed, and you know how the develop developer community was 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 being built around um, around the protocol and you know developer community is of course one of the the most important things to you know if you take the the, the Linux analog for example um you know developer community and network is is, is probably a more more important to to monitor than even the uh, even the the, the the raw technology. So and and you know and one of the other things is you know we've seen this huge sell-off in the liquid token market and you know I really believe that uh, you know there's been a significant outflow from from the liquid market and rather than looking for value in early stage pre-product deals you know we're actually doing a lot of diligence on um, existing existing projects where you know they have a bit more. A bit more time and experience under their belt, and, and you know you can you can really dig into uh, to, to what to what the to what the project's actually doing and what it's achieved and how its go to market strategy is working. Um, on, on that note, uh, what use cases are you
0: most excited about? And perhaps you can segue into the micro in terms of you know of, of how you, what you've invested in and how you've evaluated those investments.
1: So I mean. I, th- I think the clearest use case for crypto um you know is 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 more more private transactions um and it's also allowing and 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 you know building of financial infrastructure to people that may not have financial infrastructure before now the, the first one the privacy one is is a difficult one in de- you know to develop markets because really you're talking about to some it's pretty likely that that's going to be somewhat um, subversive. But when you think about it in the context of emerging markets and developing financial infrastructure for people that, you know, don't really have bank accounts, I think that's, that's like the, the the biggest use case, um, you know, right here, right now. Um, And I think I'll I'll let Hovey answer this question because one of the other things that we, you know, we look at are the kind of smaller use cases with the, with the higher, higher chances of, of, of success.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, one a good example of that would be one of our investments is a project called LivePeer. Uh, to a decentralized live streaming um, protocol. And uh, what's interesting to us about that is it actually works. You, you can take your phone and start actually broadcasting a uh, censorship resistant live video stream that no one can shut down. Um, it runs on top of the Ethereum um, network right now in terms of. <clears throat> Uh, validating transactions and um, transcoding those streams. But w- to us, it's a really good example of something that a consumer can understand outside of speculation. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a live stream on YouTube, but even if a copyrighted song is playing in the background, that live stream will automatically shut down. Um, and, and this will not happen on live here. So to us, that's very fascinating and uh, very interesting.
1: And, and it's also price efficient as well. Um Many examples of decentralized, you know, many, many critiques of decentralized applications just say, you know, it just doesn't work as well. It's more expensive. Um, but, but, but actually, absolutely. Uh, Live is significantly cheaper
2: uh, as opposed to signing up for a professional, um, you know, uh, streaming license or, or going to one of the centralized services.
1: Um, thousands of dollars a month cheaper. And you know and and then another bigger project that we recently invested in was is, is is foam, which is um a locational protocol um and you know it's quite striking when you speak to the team there the the real world problem that that they're solving, which is the amount of of uh money that is lost or spent um you know defending against g p s spoofing um, and, and, and 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 such um activity but you know in terms of use cases. We are still trying to invest in, you know, in foundational layers, um, and you know that 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 that's where we focused focus a lot of our time. Absolutely, and, and even though Foam has a
2: really clear end user application, we still find it to be a foundational layer because other protocols can use the proof of location that comes from uh, the Foam protocol uh, to help them in their in their uh, initiatives as well. So things like indoor location, uh, indoor GPS can be facilitated with foam um, and other protocols can be built on top of that to incentivize location-specific things. Uh, things like Pokemon Go could be built on top of that uh, and would utilize the foundational nature of foam to provide location services.
0: What about uh, dApps and, and apps, application layer? So, you know, I
1: mean, we we haven't really made many investments at, at that layer. Um, we, I, I, as I sort of said before, we, we believe that network is is will be a mode for tokens that are well built to uh, to accrue some value at, at the application layer. But it's just you know we're still still too early, really, uh, because um, I'm. they puts it very well actually on the the web stack for Ethereum um, and. I'll let him continue, but just for Ethereum to work, there are a number of you know there are a number of te- technical milestones that we need to reach, um, and they haven't been reached yet. And until those are built properly, we won't have you know the application layer won't really be effective. And I think you know one of the, it's it's no coincidence. I don't think that um, the recent altcoin weakness somewhat coincided with the launch of Augur, which was obviously a, a really long-awaited um you know the, the the decentralized prediction market um this was seen as a use case that couldn't be done in a centralized manner um and it's been somewhat it's still early so who knows but it's it's very, very disappointing the the level of users on it yeah absolutely
2: and, and you know if you look at it, any t- typical high scale successful tech product uh there's certain layers to it right you have the transaction throughput you have storage you have uh, network requests and most importantly, you have mobile access. And we think right now, um, outside of things like Coinbase Wallet uh, and certain uh, native browsers, it's very hard for an end user who spent, who would say estimated around 85% of most people don't even go on their computers. They're usually on their phones. And um, if you can tell me a dApp that works really well on your phone right now, I'd be surprised, um, but we're very optimistic with things like Coinbase Wallet coming out and and actually having an DApp store and you know integrated into it where they feature DApps. We think that if developers and protocol teams can start building with the end user in mind and know, and getting to them where they are specifically on their phones, then you can start seeing larger adoption there.
1: Like you know, we we, we you know we like to see say you know. T- Two thousand and eighteen it's not you know it 's not like the death of crypto I know you know I think cNBC had a funeral for Bitcoin as a as a bit of a, a jest but you know we, we do see it you know this is a real wake up call um, about how you know what 's expected of you know of of decentralized of decentralized protocols you know how teams need to be thoughtful of course about Their use case about their token economics, but also, you know, with the way they they communicate and manage expectations. Because I think, you know, many you know, a lot of people in crypto believe that it's uh, you know, it's operating in a bubble and it's a pure technical technology experiment. You know, the way that the way that investment works, which you know, this is liquidity is incredible in crypto. You'd never have access to these early stage tech projects in, in the equity world. But there's also, you know, it's a double edged sword, you know, once you open the door to market forces, you know, you can't close it. So I think, you know, I think that that, there, I think this will be a great learning experience that, you know, that, that you need to be more mindful about how you communicate. And I think it's, 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 you know, there's, there's, it's no surprise that, um, Joe Lubin's been on TV uh, most days recently, trying, trying to, uh, trying to kind of stabilize uh, some of the concerns about about Ethereum. Talk,
0: talk a little bit about your involvement in, in EOS and why why you decided to get involved there. In,
1: in EOS, yep. So yeah, so 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 we so you know people talk in crypto about the the trilemma. Um, of the of the technology problem, which is um, a, a compromise of trade offs between how decentralized a product is, how secure a product is, and how scalable a product is, and we're really in an experimental phase where you're trying to decide how you balance these 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 three uh, these these three three factors, and um, you know it, it very much is a trade off. So Ethereum is is more decentralized than EOS. Um, you know, running off a proof of work um, consensus algorithm. And EOS's, EOS's innovation was delegated proof of stake, which is also Te- Tezos is, is, is also using. Now, uh, I would say we were very disappointed with the EOS launch um, in the way that block the the process for electing block producers was was quite centralized and there were a number of you know stories of people you know block producers voting for each other and you know it was a you know a lot of the the the, the critics of projects like eos you know my perspective had been that they were being somewhat inflexible and impractical about how distributed ledger technology might evolve but i believe you know they, they were they were to some degree prove, prove, proven right by by the way that it that it was launched but but that being said, you know there are twenty twenty one block producers and then I think fifty or so uh, backup producers and you know we, we, we know a few, a few of them and they're very very actively writing code every single day and you know building the kind of uh, blocks that Herve was speaking about with with reference to ethereum. And you know, it may be that that this is, uh, you know, it, it is a, a more uh, scalable option for for application, for, you know, for people building decentralized applications to um, to use than Ethereum. For, for example, a project that we work quite closely with um, is, is 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 Wax, and you know. You know, it, it, it's a business, and they, they've certainly found um, EOS to be a more appropriate um, or, you know, a, a, a more functional protocol layer than, than Ethereum. And so, yeah, so we, as you know, we're still in the experimental phase. EOS has a great uh, following in China. There's probably a slightly lower uh, demand for or, or, or a lower bar for decentralisation in, in Asia than there is in the US, and you know, and you know, let, let's, let's also consider, you know, EOS is the most well-funded startup, technology startup in the in you know in the history of the world, probably. So they're, they're, they have a lot of uh, a lot of kind of shots on goal, but you know, it, it is a concern that you can't really talk about. How how decentralized? Or many would argue, you can't talk about how decentralized a product is. It's a protocol. Is it's it's either decentralized or it's not decentralized. And I think it would be a fair concern about the way that that the EOS launch happened. That 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 there are there are some fundamental kind of issues there. How do you guys think about the mining ecosystem? Have you made a play there? In in EOS, just mining generally. Oh yeah, so so mining is um, well. I think some of the concerns about the energy consumption are are overdone. You know, they actually there are actually some some great um, uh, you know statistics about how excess uh, power is actually used um, for mining, and and a lot of that is from renewable sources. Um, But then, mining as a market pressure is a problem because you know any asset. That, that you are effect- effectively getting diluted by um, is is you know is a is a, is a risk to prices, um, but you know there, there needs to be there needs to be uh, an an incentive structure you know in in place, um, and I think you know proof of work proof of work is great at building at building fundamental decentralisation. Uh, proof of stake is still much more in the in the uh, experimental camp, um, and you know it may be that you know you have a, a a decentralized base layer that's proof of work, and then you have proof of stake protocols built on top that, that interact with that, and they give end users or application builders different different levels of um, security depending on on what it is there you know, what it is that they're, they're, they're trying to do. Um, you know, you have, obviously, if you're building something on, if you're building a, a centralized application, you know, you do have platform risk in that, I don't know, if, a, you know, if Amazon wanted to turn you off, for example, of, of AWS, they, they, of course, could. Um, but that said, one of their largest competitors, Netflix, it operates on AWS, and they haven't switched them off. So, <laughs> um, it's, you know, but but yeah. One thing I hear a lot about is
0: that, um, you know, crypto native funds will need to be much more active participants in the network, whether it's either, like mining themselves or staking or have more direct uh, involvement in order to be, to be helpful. And that the future, you know, crypto native funds will be much more multidisciplinary. How do you think about that at distributed global?
1: Well, I mean, you know, when the market was going up, no one worried too much about that. <laughs> um, but obviously, as I said before, you know, it's an asset class where, you, you know, you really can only trade from, from the long side or invest from, from, from the long side. So, you know, of course, everyone is now looking at, uh, you know, strategies that will yield some return while the market is flat or down. And we've been extremely active in that. Um, and and Herve can actually speak to this because he's, he's been building it, but um, you know, staking is something we, we, we do actively. Absolutely. I agree with you that I think
2: the only successful funds would be the ones who are actually trying out their investments. It would be like investing in internet companies without ever going to a website before. Um, it works when, when there's a lot of hype and mania around it, but... Um, Eventually, when you actually visit the website and see that doesn't work, you start picking and bookmarking the right places. So that analogy um, being said, more specifically, um, we act, every single one of our investments, we actively monitor the networks. We look for irregular patterns. Um, whatever is available from the teams, we, we run it and participate in the actual token economics. We Every single thing that is unique about that protocol and why we thought it was a good investment before there was a product um, the moment anything comes out, we try it out and, and try and confirm. So we like to call it kind of like a health check system. And uh, I think the future of investing in this in this space will be funds that actually have these really robust health checks that can determine when a product is on track, if they're meeting their technical milestones, and that the end user experience is great. Um, and, and I think in the next few years, that's how you will actually determine if this thing is good or not. You won't look, look at white papers. You'll actually... Demand that the protocol teams provide you with an end-user
1: mobile application that shows you how this thing actually works, um, just like regular um, tech investing. And, and and also, you know, the extent to which an asset uh, is, is is staked is also has a big determination for for the flow. Because, um, for example, if you take a project like Decred, um, it's it has a very small flow because most of the assets are actually being actively staked. So that has a big implication for liquidity and, and, and volatility too. Absolutely. How, how do you guys think about um,
0: Asia or international crypto? Um, do, do, you, do you do any or how do you think about it?
1: Yeah, we, 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 we do. I mean, I would say in general, the Asia-based products that well, the age of ace investments we have made have been on the more speculative side and actually the underlying technology has been quite disappointing. Um as leve mentioned when we started to we tried to st- stake our QDM that led to us divesting. Um we had a pretty negative experience with um with with you know neo wallets um and, and divested quite quickly and you know similarly with uh, with icon uh you know the there was great potential in, in the projects. And, you know, we, we don't, we don't really trade, we don't try and trade hype, but we're certainly not going to, you know, we're not going to ignore it if we feel that there's, you know, certain products, certain investments in certainly last year, it, it became quite obvious what was going to be attractive to people and what wasn't. And, you know, it would be, it would be, you know we wouldn't be doing our fiduciary responsibility if we we didn't try to at least you know generate some some alpha from that um, and you know there are some you know there are certainly there are good projects being developed like the, the hubs like Israel is a real hub um, Berlin is a real hub there are parts of Switzerland where they things being built but in you know in general you know once you kind of look behind the curtain. The, the Korean and, and Chinese projects um, have have been quite disappointing. And I guess, and I guess, I guess we probably have, you know, we we co invest with with we have relationships with um, other kind of trusted funds that, that that you know we built those relationships up over a long period of time. But but we 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 get probably better we get better access to to domestic project projects just because there's only. So many relationships you can build, and there's only so much time that you, that you that you have to to do the diligence on on early stage. Sometimes, sometimes there's. I don't speak. We don't have a, a Chinese speaker either. So, <laughs> looking out, given that you've spent
0: so much time in traditional, you know, finance, and your team has as well, which parts do you think crypto will will eat up, um, or, or, or or displace, or disrupt in a fundamental way? Or and which parts, vice versa, do you think uh, Wall Street will come into the crypto world and uh, and dominate?
1: Well, I think um, I think I think payments will be will be disrupted in, in the near future. I think you know, I think I think the the dis- the disruptive um, is a little bit of a falsehood in the near term because. A lot of centralized applications generally work quite well in in the developed world. So, I think what we're kind of learning is actually it's 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 the innovations that you want to be looking for rather than displacement. So, you know, it's it's banking for the unbanked. It's privacy solutions around payment. Um, it's bringing liquidity to to illiquid markets. You know, one of the most interesting things happening in crypto at the moment is around security tokens and you know real estate is generally the, the, the kind of poster child of that and it's the idea that you know you can tokenize an, an illiquid asset and provide significantly more liquidity to it you know for example um templum templum announced that they, they're doing their first one which is the a trophy property which is um the saint regis hotel in aspen and if you tokenize it um, you know any investors you can buy very small pieces of it and it wouldn't typically you wouldn't have been able to have access to that asset class before and you know these things are never going to operate on an exchange like you're never going to have like a tick price like you do for you know bitcoin but you know there will be daily weekly monthly quarterly whatever it is um, liquidity windows where buyers and sellers can meet and it'll be interesting to see whether You know, tokenized real estate or tokenized private equity investments, um, you know, will trade at a premium because of the 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 additional liquidity that that investors get. And that you know, something like that, ERC twenty Ethereum is 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 you know is the the market standard for this developing market, and it may be that um, you know Ethereum could handle. That kind of throughput. So this may be one of the first use cases for, for Ethereum. And another very interesting part is thinking about non-fungible tokens and digital assets that um, you know are, are, are unique. And you know, if you think like one thing, we're focused a lot at the moment um, on 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 gaming as a use case, and crypto block or blockchain gaming would allow for real value to be contained within a game. I mean, I don't know if you remember, um, I guess it was a couple of years ago when there were all those pictures of people playing Pokemon go and large gatherings in public places. You know, if that um, imagine, you know, the potential for, uh, for mania in, in those instances, if, if, if there was real economic value attached to the, uh, attached to the assets and, and that, that's something that you can't do without a, uh, you know, without a decentralized and secure, uh, blockchain. Totally. Um,
0: on that note, uh, this has been a, it's been a great episode. Um, where, where can people learn more about you guys and distributed global? Um...
1: <laughs> well, it's funny actually, because since, uh, well, we're going to start doing custody with Coinbase quite soon, but, um, we've actually been, been relatively private compared to, you know, to, to, to most of our, um, most of our competitors because we've just been so concerned about the, the security aspects of crypto and the, uh, you know, the, the, the fiduciary risks that you're, that you're taking. So, so, you know, there is a little bit on, um, you know, on, 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 on the website, but um, I think really what, you know, watch this space, you know, where, where, where our, our kind of public persona is, um, you know, is, 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 is kind of on, on the rise. So, uh, and we're going to be a bit more forthright about the kind of investments we're making, and you know I've tried to start you know putting out some some content really to try and you know guide to try and guide investors because I do think there is a you know consumer protection angle of crypto that 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 some people abuse and are are somewhat flippant towards, so try to kind of guide that and you know also you know we want to advertise projects we think are doing doing genuine good for for you know for the world and genuine genuine good for for the community and um, and also maybe to try and encourage projects to uh to to kind of behave and communicate in 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 a way that's going to be productive totally well awesome that's been a fantastic episode thank you so much great all right thanks for thanks very much for your time it's been great
0: If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Check out more at www.villageglobal.vc. We'd love to learn more about what you're up to.